Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrewer, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision-making. I'm here with Peter Coghill, Sara Nonu, and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week, we're having an argument. And due to the lockdown, unusually, we're recording this remotely. Nick, why are we having an argument? What are we arguing about? It's something we touched on on a previous podcast, actually, and I thought was interesting enough to discuss, which is, you know, families are very have got very different cultures, obviously. You get these little micro cultures. Uh, families, if you think of them as isolated islands, you know, the kind of Andaman, Andaman Islanders type. I yeah. mean, families spend a lot of time together, develop their own distinctive cultures, and very rarely mix in any kind of significant way with other families. So you've got a real opportunity to get different family cultures growing up. And of course, when you get the big culture clash, of course, when you get, you know, families joining together in marriage or, you know, when you when you kind of we've got two people from quite different families raising a family together and having to decide what their values are going to be. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting situation. And one particular aspect which is close to my heart is arguments and arguing and uh i come from a family which are who are very argue like everything almost we don't really have conversations we have arguments but they're completely meaningless like we, we it's just the way that we relate to each other now none of it hardly ever actually means something and, it, and even if it ever does it's it's like you know in an hour's time everyone's forgotten about it there's, ne there's never any I've got no culture of sulking in my family and there's no no kind of uh no, nothing is ever persistent it's just it's yeah on to the next the next round of uh sort of sniping and uh, arguing yeah. um very different to my partner and lots of other people i know who you know come from families where they're um uh you know they never seem to have uh, arguments never seem to have any visible differences where problems are solved in back channels and you know through one-to-one -one bilateral negotiations and you know any conflicts are resolved in a nice rational sensible way um and uh it, it's you know it's it's difficult because obviously i she and in fact all of their family tend to see sometimes think i'm being i'm i'm being aggressive or i mean i'm i mean it you know when i if i'm if i'm being a bit arguey and of course i don't uh that's just that's just you know the way that i tend to express myself so um uh yeah what's basically where i'm going is i actually i think it's better i think arguing is better uh than keeping it all under wraps um uh, that's what we're here to discuss yeah i mean is the question how do we disagree with each other or i don't know if that's the, if that, that's how, the how right do way. we how should we should we yeah 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 um sarah um what was your sort of family like um growing up were you like nick's or 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 or, or like nick's partner's family what what was, what was your family like in terms of um, arguing i think it was individual specific so you wouldn't argue with my dad no way. Um, right. me, okay. me and my uh, me and my sister would would definitely argue a lot. Um, yeah. And with my mum, yeah, there was definitely it wasn't fun being a teenager with a mum, but that's what happens when you're a girl. But yeah, I think it it was mixed, and I think it's actually changed over time. So now, now that I'm older, I'll definitely argue with my dad when I think he's wrong or I know he's wrong. Um, but yeah. if it's going nowhere and he just thinks he's right. Um, I'll just let him trail off and I'll stop listening, which is the usual case. Um, I've gotten better one with my mum. One of the most powerful things you can do in an argument is just stop listening. 
Yep. Yeah. Um, with my mum now, I fight. I argue a lot less with her. Um, I'm a lot more patient, mm-hmm. I think. There's a lot more tolerance. Yeah, and, you're uh, a lot but, further away as well, which helps, I'm guessing. I don't yeah, know. It's, it's, it's key. Um, and with my sister, I think I just take an avoidance technique. I just, I just, I just okay. don't do it. I just, I just stay away. Okay, uh, Peter, your your upbringing I it sounds like a kind of Krav Krav Maga approach to argument, where you've just got a different, you know, depending on the circumstance, you got that's a different exactly it. Technique. I have, I have to be a different person depending on who I'm talking to. Um, but I've learned that over time, so it makes it much more cohesive bond between everyone if I if I do that. I just need everyone else to do it too. You're 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 right. You're in the middle, mediating between everybody else. Are you? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. It's fun. It's a great place to be. The child becomes the parent. Peter, I imagine you come from a family of just calm rationalists. Um, but, <laughs> but anyone, any sort of kind of disagreements I, well, I, are just I've, subsumed. I've been thinking about this uh, all afternoon, and I, and I can't quite tell because they, they. I was always, we were always encouraged to be discursive and try to explore topics through discussion. Um, uh, but in the same note, I was. We were all. We were often. Um, just just shut down and told to shut up and stop asking questions so like, depending on how tired or uh or, or or annoyed parents were at the time so it was, it, was, it was difficult to put a finger on it i think we were just always on our toes that was it but the but um certainly i've noticed in the last uh 10 years or so my parents and my sister have become lo- much less discursive and would rather and much more conciliatory they want to they just want to get consensus even if it's wrong and I hate that. I, I, that winds me up. So I think I'm a bit of a black sheep now in the family because I'm always, I'm a bit like Nick. I'm always trying to, you not not argue per se, but try to discuss things and get to the bottom of why people believe something. And my my family just won't won't yeah. just won't entertain yeah. it. I mean, when I was growing up, I sort of had sort of the worst of both worlds because we were quite an argumentative family, um, and it's quite explosive. So something was always kicking off, but also quite sulky as well so so we'd have these big arguments and it just it would just really never go away so it's you know just this air of sort of quite violent discontent i think well i think um, this, is, this is good because this 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 gets back to something i think uh, both nick and zara kind of suggested that it's not necessarily what you argue about this problem it's how you argue the, the, mm. like this the the art of discussion is is a precious thing and being able to talk with somebody about a difficult or controversial topic in a way that doesn't offend or cause you to be offended is very, very important for the way that humans gather information about the world and find out about themselves. So that, that, that I think is definitely worth diving into is like the, how, how to argue in a productive, um, consensual and, uh, productive way. Um, and now, Sarah, I think you were going to lead into something. I think perhaps you can pick up there from Peter. Um, yeah, so that basically when I was looking at research, um, I came across an article which kind of put it all together quite nicely. That there's kind of three styles of argument, arguing. Uh, that's conflict engagement, which is like essentially losing your temper. There's the withdrawal that I spoke to about earlier. That sometimes is what I do. And then there's also what Peter's just alluded to, like, positive problem solving, having those constructive arguments. So I think it's a case of figuring out exactly which which person you are and which person you kind of want to be. And for the most part, po- positive problem solving is where you would want to ha- be having your arguments. But that's also dependent on the person you're arguing with. If you've got someone who 
wants to do have, have a discussion and work work through something but has someone who's more of that argumentative conflict engagement style you're never going to get anywhere yeah that's just yeah, and I think, what i was thinking i think there's a i'm inspired to think of a, a sort of two by two matrix of course the two axes being um actual conflict versus no actual conflict uh is there an actual thing you're actually fighting about which is significant right and then the other axis is probably what sarah was just saying style now i would say that my my family are we are of a very direct conflict style of engagement but there's actually almost never anything we're really arguing about it's 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 utterly it's you know would it make more sense to put the gravy on over there and then bring it over here or, or should we should we make the gravy here but but we need the but we need that that hob to do the potatoes that that it can kick off an hour long argument right that kind of thing in my family it's completely inconsequential and really it's an excuse to have an argument but and then of course at the opposite extreme you will have uh, people for, where there's a really you know, maybe a significant issue about finance or something, you know, about how much money you're spending or alcoholism or something, you know, some really big actual real family issue um, where they don't talk about it at all, uh, don't address it, whether perhaps they all just uh, use a withdrawal strategy. So so I think I think it's useful to think about, um, you know, style as separate argumentative style. And I think I think, it, you know, I, my feeling is that if there's no real conflict as long as you're all happy with the way things are going fine but if there's real conflict then you have to worry about that it's like okay there is actually a real issue we need to solve here's a question then um given that um if we sort of if we think of alternatives as being out in the open you know always arguing about stuff having disagreements about where to put the gravy and so on and the opposite of that the sort of withdrawal sort of method (laughs) different kind of withdrawal (laughs) method (laughs) um is it when it does come to those bigger things that you were talking about, um, it, do you think that the kind of family or the kind of people who are used to having that kind of argument where it's all out in the open, do you think they, I mean, do we have a view as to whether those sorts of people are are, 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 are better equipped to then talk about the more meaningful stuff, the more important stuff? Um, any of you, any thoughts on that? I don't, uh, yeah, I, uh, knowing knowing Nick's family quite well, uh, they they're very good at arguing, but not necessarily arguing about the picking the right arguments. So they they're very good at they're very good at the the re, the retrological to borrow a term from uh, beautiful data beautiful information um, uh, retrological uh, tools and mechanisms in to using conversation to win each point in in like a debate. So debating is a is a sort of art form in forming arguments and using rhetoric to defeat your opponent sort of point by point. Um, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean you're arguing in a useful way. It just means you're beating somebody. So mm-hmm. there's that, there's, there's that form of, uh, of, of comp- competitive, competitive discussion, which doesn't necessarily get you any further in understanding things. It just means that you're no. honing a particular skill. No, you're absolutely right. And I think, and I, I, I would draw an analogy here between the way that I think people ought to play board games and when I say ought to, I mean, uh, I don't mean sort of morally, but I mean ought to to have the most fun, uh, which is everyone should play like they really want to win. Otherwise, there's no point, right? You, you have to, the whole point of a board game is you, you, it's boring if you're not trying to win, right? But you shouldn't actually care. And I feel like that's, you know, I, I really enjoy 
arguing to win an argument, to find the flaw in an opponent's argument, or, you know, to discover that your own argument is rubbish and to sort of fold it up and say, all right, well, you got me here. Um, it, it's fun. But you, I, almost, I don't care. I don't, like, I don't care about winning. Uh, it's exactly the same as how I play board games. Um, that, but that's probably because I don't really have anything I, I need to address. On. I don't hold have anything on, serious I need to worry about. But I think that's quite a potentially self-centered um, way of looking at yeah, things, right? Because, because Nick, I, I find myself quite frustrated with talking with you sometimes. And the reason why is because I think you're really good at arguing, okay? And I pretty much never win an argument with you. Um, you're way better at it than me. And, um, and so although it's great that you like to argue, and sort of knocking these ideas about, it can be really frustrating because I never bloody win and I'm never right. So um... this is turning into be a really useful group session, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, the thing is that what you're saying, it doesn't surprise me at all. I know that. And, and I, I'm not sure what to do about it. The, the problem is it's remembering that there are, there are different cultures and that other people just yeah. don't don't play by those rules like just like just like in a board game like like you're not a, as i know you like board games you're not as big as into it as i am but some people no, will is. not engage with them at all because they don't like what it looks to them like competitiveness like some people don't like the idea that yeah, they're yeah, supposed yeah. to try and beat other people and yeah. they really don't like playing board games and i and i and and, and that's a, just a different culture like it's not better or worse they're two different right. ways of engaging with things i want to bring in sarah before i do i've had an idea nick rather than sort of what you should do is continue with that style but every now and again what you should do is just really go for it and then just just go oh no you're right fraser and so just let me have one every now and again right? I, just, I just accepted that you were right what more do you want <laughs> yeah there we go right. it's already working and sarah i don't want to bring you in any thoughts no i just think it comes down to the type of argument you can have a healthy argument you can have a toxic argument and it usually depends on who you're having the argument with or about and the other thing i think of when if i'm in an argument is how am I perceiving it? As I, am, am I perceiving the argument to be a bit of a threat to me or is it a moment of growth like where I, when I can learn something from it? Um, for the most part, it just really depends on who I'm arguing with. If I'm arguing with my husband, I, he's just very similar to Nick and I just kind of withdraw and most of the time I actually find it exhausting. I just want it to be over with. Whether I'm not right or wrong, I'm just kind of like, oh, this is exhausting. I'm done now. Well, there's another element we haven't talked about here, which is is the um, maybe emotions as well. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I don't like having arguments with my wife just because she starts crying. And, and um, it's and a good thing. It's probably the beating, it's the physical beating rather than the verbal abuse. <laughs> yeah, that. Is that. Um, and it's just like, oh, no, I don't want to, you know, it's just like, I just can't deal with this. Mm. Like, you know, can we not have a, just a, a discussion without emotions coming into it? Um, or is that really sort of fair, unfair and just horrible of me? I don't well, know. Well, it might be the way you're going about it, Fraser. If you're if you're resorting to sort of ad hominem attacks all the time, right. uh, yeah. then, then, then she might be reacting completely rationally rationally and, and uh, uh, mm. her emotions are acting as a sort of defense mechanism at that point but it, but, but, it, but there are ways of facilitating people who are not used to to, to sort of dialectic um, mm -hmm. uh, conversations mm. uh, but you have to be you have to work very hard uh, if you're if you're I, 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 I like to try and make all my conversations with anybody uh, a sort of information exchange you know it's, it's, it's not transactional uh, and, and completely lacking emotion but I want I talk to people because usually I want to find something else, something else out about them or something that they might yeah. know. So I ask them questions. Um, Hello, fellow human. Would you like to engage information exchange protocol? 
Well, yeah. So, but, but you jest, but the, you have to be the design and execution of that protocol. You have to be careful, then you have to tune it depending on who you're talking to. So, I can talk to Nick in a very different way that I can talk to members of my family or my girlfriend. They, 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 they see confrontation sort of intellectual confrontation and they take it as a threat and they often take that personally and then they they drag the conversation in a sort of ad hominem direction and start mm. sort of trying to undermine me rather than my argument so it doesn't yeah. at that point it breaks down but the, yeah, the, that's way, right. the way the way i try to facilitate conversations is um ensuring that the way i think about the way i express everything carefully and so they so that I can express things in a way that they can't take as being a personal attack. So rather than saying, why do you believe that? I'll ask, okay, that's interesting. What has led you to believe that? So I can Change give the narrative. A, tell a story about it. Yeah. Mm. Um, we, we're close to needing to be wrapping up. But again, I've just realized something else of which I'm the victim of being the, the, the worst of two worlds, which is that um, I'm super competitive. I'm really competitive. But I'm also really rubbish at arguing, <laughs> and so it's, it's just those, game. yeah. I'm just losing arguments all the time. So I'm arguing. You know, I really want to win them, but I'm losing them. Competitive, inadequate, the the worst of all worlds. I, yeah. Well, I cheat. I cheat by being right most of the time. <laughs> so that's my secret. The secret of success is just making sure you've actually you actually have reasons to believe the things you're saying, and uh, then you, and then you can usually back them up. Yeah. Um, so that's want, the top tip. I once I once worked with a person. Obviously, it was a very nice chap, but he used to love to get into an argument. And and what I realised actually, it wasn't that he was good at arguing or liked arguing. All he liked doing was disagreeing. Mm. So you'd having a chat or a discussion about something or an argument, and just everything, every single thing you said, he would just disagree yeah, with the contrarian. The, yeah, the, yeah, and that was just irritating yeah. actually after a while. Um, okay, so look. Um, yes, we've, we've still got a little bit to go. So. I think there's something worth worth mentioning in this context, actually, just to, to do with family culture, which I was thinking about um, as something that we bring in, we, we sort of bring up every so often because it's really useful way of thinking about sort of group uh, culture, but uh, which is the relational models theory. Um, which is basically describes different, like fundamentally different <clears throat> models for how groups can interrelate, and there are uh, sort of basically four. So you, so you have uh, what <clears throat> that have been identified. I think you know. So I think this is an empirical rather than a theoretical uh, division. Uh, that you have communal sharing, which is uh, where no one really keeps track of who's consuming what or who's doing what. You all just pitch in and do stuff, and the, there is an assumption that everyone will. Uh, will sort of do that do the same thing but no one's keeping score then you have authority ranking which is sort of essentially that the higher ups give you resources that's generally how firms work the higher ups have a legitimate power over you which everyone accepts and um you know they give you stuff and you get what you're given sort of thing um then you have equality matching which is you know where you are keeping score and and it's much more transactional and it's you know well i do the washing up on mondays and so you, you have to do it on tuesdays uh i'll do the ironing you do the washing kind of thing uh where it's much more explicit and then finally you have market pricing and uh it, it seems to me that well that there are lots of problems problem problem of one is when you try when you have when you have you can't have two of these models at once right so you've got the classic problem where i mean i come from a an equality matching family my family are very like uh you know when they lend each other money they, they really pay it back on on you know and uh will make sure that that happens and it's just the way that things work uh, ros comes from a communal sharing family so um you know that 
that the problem there comes because I I sort of think well um, I would like to be told what my responsibilities are. I'd like to mm. be told okay well you're washing the I do the bathroom on Saturdays and and I just know that and it's in a list. Uh, Rods thinks that's absurd and um, uh, thinks that I should just do stuff. And uh, that that is a sort of microcosm of of you know that's that that that's that's really it like and and that distinction which you know to to me <clears throat> I don't have any problem with being told these are your responsibilities uh, but but she she thinks that that's that in itself asking to do that is problematic a bit it would be a bit like if I offered to to pay her to do the to do the housework or something. It would be like a completely inappropriate relational model to bring into, uh, you know, the the family. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I, and I think listening to just it sounded to me like Sarah's family might might be a bit more of an authority ranking type deal. If your if your dad is like the head of the household, um, you know, and and my family is sort of equality matching, and the the kinds of problems you can imagine emerging from those different uh, different models are probably unique to those models. So in a communal sharing situation, you're going to get a tragedy of the commons. You know, probably everyone will borrow money from everyone else and suddenly no one will have any. No one will do yeah, the washing. Or, yeah, there'll, uh, be, there'll be freeloaders at everyone's counting. Exactly. Well, actually, well, free riding is a problem for equality matching. So that's that's like that's what you're looking out for. If someone is taking the piss and it's equality matching in, in a communal sharing, no one's keeping score. So you don't notice, uh, you know, but everyone has everyone has just eaten all the cake and not done the washing up. Whereas with equality matching in, in my family, the arguments would be about, oh, has someone done their fair share? That are we keeping score you know and in authority ranking it would be more a challenge to authority you know that you don't think that your dad is le the legitimate head of the household and you know actually you should have more of this stuff and uh you know you've eaten his cake so yeah anyway i thought i think it's quite an interesting model to think about families um my parents are separated so my dad was the authoritative figure but in my mum's household, it was more like the communal sharing bit. It was more, as you've described, especially between me and my sister, is, well, I've done this, it's your turn to do that. So mm. I think it it, it was always situation like dependent. So even though dad was essentially the head of the, fam like, the family unit, when my parents separated, and he still was, the dynamic shifted, especially in our household, because mum had two, two young girls to contend with who also liked to play up and not do what they were told. So I think it's a mess. Very interesting. Okay, um, so we need to, we need to stop there. Um, is there anything we want to finish this off on? I, I would just like to to say um, I think it's a good idea for our families not to listen to this, just for argument's sake. <laughs> I don't just think I want my 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 family hearing it at all. Just putting it out there. Yeah, I, my my family uh, knows all of this. We're very highly dysfunctional. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I'm going to make that happen, though, because my wife, just she's an avid listener to these things. I just don't know how I'm going to stop her from listening to this one episode. So um, harking back to a, a different um, episode, I'm going to have to make a good excuse for that one. Um, <laughs> Okay, so uh, let, let's stop there. Let's wrap up on that. Um, thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Sarah Nono, Peter Cockle, and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>